Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Your Daily Drive is the podcast where we put our article content in audio format. If you would like to chat with me or my team, you can find us in cyberspace. We are there all the time. Someone's always home. We leave the light on for you, and we would welcome for you to come by, especially if you have questions that you want to talk about. You can ask any question pertaining to life and godliness, and we'd be glad to serve you. It's one of the best features of our ministry is that we are an interactive ministry. We are with the people. We are we are working in the crowd, helping people in real time with real problems that are going on in their lives. This podcast is going to be somewhat about that. I had a forum responder write in, and he's in the unfortunate place of separation, heading toward a divorce with his wife, and he has a toddler, and he was asking how to walk his toddler through Uh, what's going on in their lives. I'm going to do a later podcast uh, with the things that I shared with him, just seven, eight, nine, ten things to think about when you're going through a a separation. But one of the primary things, whether you're, you're separating or already divorced, but more importantly, if you are together, how you interact as a husband and wife uh, to your children. And that's why I titled this podcast, Fussy parents make insecure kids. Parents have the opportunity to export security or insecurity to their children. The type of behavior that the parents exhibit to their children, it will have generational impact on the kids for either good or evil. How you communicate within your home, how a husband and wife communicate to each other, Uh, how the entire family communicates to each other, it really sets the stage and it can have a huge impact on the child. Well, I want to talk about that in this podcast because unfortunately there are too many homes where they're characterized by anger, they're characterized by a low-grade dislike for each other and love and Kindness and mercy and grace are not the driving characteristics of the home, and when it's not, it will have an adverse impact on on children. This is an important podcast for you to listen to, and if you do have the time, it's a short-form article on the website. It's about 1,300 words. I also have a video in this article as well, one of our equipping videos on parenting children, and it would be beneficial for you to watch that short video, listen to this podcast, read the article from the podcast, and I have three other articles embedded in this one. There's a lot of resources here, and I would love for you to take advantage of these, all of these resources, because it's important to you, especially if you have children, because of the long-term impact your words your behavior can have on the children. But before I get into that, let me share this with you. Did you know every year we reach hundreds of thousands of lives globally? This year, we will reach over one million individuals with the practical gospel of Jesus Christ. We help these people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. 
through written resources like this article that I'm sharing with you, audio broadcasts like this podcast you're listening to, equipping videos, interactive forums where my friend wrote in and was asking questions about his separation. The Lord is impacting lives through this ministry. Will you partner with us to help continue this fantastic gospel adventure? You may donate or you, be, you may become a supporting member of our community by going to our website. Stephen, thank you so much today for becoming a $5 monthly supporter of our ministry. For as little as $5, like what Stephen did each month, you can provide practical tools for hurting souls. If you are a local church, will you support our missional endeavors around the world? Whatever you can give to help this ministry will change many lives. Thank you so much. Fussy parents make insecure kids. That's the title of this podcast and also the article on the website if you want to read it, share it. It would be a great resource for your small group as well. Let me tell you the story of Mabel. She couldn't get a handle on her insecurity. Burdened by a failed marriage, teenage children in rebellion, and too many relational conflicts to count, she was frustrated, angry, and bewildered at how the same old things keep happening to me, she said. Though she recognized that she had a lifelong problem with anxiety, fear, and insecurity, she did not understand it or why it had such a stranglehold on her life. As we began to chat, it quickly became apparent where her fear initially took a grip on her life. Mabel was the product of parents who had an ongoing and unresolvable conflict. Mabel had fussy parents. One of the effects of the fall of Adam is inherent fear. All of us are born fearful. This is how we come into the world. There are no exceptions to this. If you are born in Adam, you are born fearful. Insecurity is part of our original wiring, post-fall wiring. And this problem is an aspect of what it means to be born into sin. Being born into sin is much more comprehensive than that, but it definitely means that we will be insecure people. We're incomplete. As Paul said in Colossians 1.28, that we may be complete in him. The, implica- the implication is clear. We are not complete. There is something wrong with us. And when we come into the world, there are many broken things, and there are many things that need to be repaired. And one of those is that we are an insecure people. We are a fearful people. If Adam had not sinned, we would not have a broken relationship with God, and thus there would be no fear. Before Genesis 3.6, Adam was not a fearful person because there was nothing to fear. He was whole. He was complete. He had a proper relationship with his creator. He was not Adamic, as in the Adamic fall that came at 3.6 and following. And because of that fall, We are not the way we are supposed to be. That's why we have a gospel. Only when Christ fully redeems us to himself will we experience something akin to the pre-fall experience of Adam. But until then, children need secure environments. And the primary caregivers of security are the children's parents. 
we have this amazing privilege to create a shalom in our home, a secure environment, a place of peace and grace where these young, broken, fearful little children can grow up in that kind of security. Now, the wise and careful parent seeks to provide structure, consistency, and above all else, relational harmony for the children. Kids are little people living in a big world, and two big things are working against them. The first thing is they can't take care of themselves. They come into the world totally dependent. They can't feed themselves. They can't change their diapers. They can't communicate audibly. They it is impossible for them to take care of themselves. Imagine what that is like, being totally dependent on other people to care for you. That's one thing. That's one of the ways they come into the world and things are working against them. Number two, they cannot correctly interpret the big world in which they live. They don't have the language. They don't have the categories, the labels, the definitions. They don't have a way of coming to right conclusions. And in, invariably, they will come to the wrong conclusions about the world that they are interpreting, the things that they are observing. They are little people in, a, in an adult world, can't take care of themselves and, and can't understand or correctly interpret what is going on around them. Kids know they need their parents to protect them. That is intuitive. It is inherent within them because of these pre-existing conditions of can't taking, uh, not, not able to take care of themselves and not able to think rightly about their world around them. That's why you kids will say all the time, you know, Dad, what is this? Mom, what does this mean? How do you do this? And though they cannot articulate this truth, this desire to be protected by the big people in the room, they know that things aren't right. They know when things aren't right. They know when their security is being uh, assaulted, and they become afraid. I've heard many adult children talk about how the fussing of their parents left them feeling alone, vulnerable, and fearful that something terrible was about to happen. And because they were adamically wired to be scared, they panicked when bad things did happen, especially between the only two people in their world who could protect them. Now think about this. Kids have a desire. They have a strong want to be protected. And the two people in the room don't like each other. They're separating. They're getting a divorce. Or they live together, but it's a hostile environment. Mabel said she panicked on the inside as a child, but had no one with whom she could share her fears. She had to internalize them because her primary protectors were on the verge of a marital breakdown. She said that many nights she would ball up and cry herself to sleep as she listened to the verbal warfare on the other side of the bedroom wall. Things grew worse because her parents, who were Christians, told her that no one in their church was ever to find out what was happening in the family, and Mabel was terrified to tell anyone. Now, this mandate 
do not tell, only exacerbated the fear that was slowly sucking the life out of her. She believed that one day she would come home only to find her parents gone. She needed protected. She was a little person in a, a big world, in a big world that was crumbling. She needed people to interpret her adult world. Because she was not able to bring an accurate interpretation to what she was observing and experiencing, she drew the worst kinds of conclusions about the problems her family was experiencing. Mabel said most of their arguing was about money, one of the most common arguments between couples. Though it seemed like all roads led to an argument, it was money that, that kept coming up again and again. After a while, she stopped asking her mom for things. Whenever there was a new fad or dress fashion, Mabel never told her mom how badly she wanted what all her friends had. Her mom never discerned the knot in Mabel's soul that was twisting tighter and tighter. By the time Mabel was a teen, she had begun to look for security through any means possible, though she did not dare try out for anything like sports or cheerleading. Because of her fear of failing was too intense, she only did the things that she felt like she could succeed in. Therefore, her avenue of escape was through boys. And that was the path that would prove to be the total unraveling of her life. Her craving for protection and love was so intense that it blinded any common sense or wisdom she should have possessed. She knew all her boyfriends were using her, but she dismissed this knowledge because of her 15 years pent-up craving for affection that was uncontrollably lapping up any affection and approval she could find. She was easy-picking, and she was glad. From her perspective, this was the path to freedom. Mabel felt a sense of power and control that she had never known before. She was carving out an identity. Her looks were defining her. Mabel was a modern-day Samson. Her strength was in her hair. Her strength was in her beauty. Her appearance and latest fashions brought her everything she needed or maybe everything that she craved. And just like Samson, if you cut his hair, he is weak as water. If if Mabel lost her beauty and her ability to draw boys to her, uh, she would be weak as water too. Underneath this fashion facade was a young woman growing needier by the day. The door had flung wide open for her insatiable appetite for love and affection. Her path to freedom was a downward spiral into relational incarceration and dysfunction that would eventually spill over into nearly every one of her future relationships. She began to suck the life out of all of her relationships, especially with her husband and children. She was motivated and driven by a need-based theology. As long as folks met her expect expectations and needs, things were okay. But as soon as anyone disappointed her, let her down, or did not meet her expectations, she either retaliated or dropped them altogether. I spent many weeks introducing Mabel to the gospel. Her parents were supposed to teach her about God and how He is the one who removes our fears and replaces it with faith in the works of Christ. Not our works, not our beauty, not our ability. We don't trust our 
looks or our ability. We trust the works of Christ, and her parents were supposed to teach her about that. And though her parents were Christians, at least this is what they professed to be, their fussy lifestyle smothered and displaced the religion they hoped to transfer to their daughter. Not only did Mabel not get to know God, but she was angry with God because her only snapshot of what Christianity looked like was through the lens of her fussy parents. In time, Mabel was able to come to a fuller and more accurate understanding of God as well as a relationship with Him. And though she has known God all of her life, she never worshipped Him as God. The same fear that Mabel had about her parents were overlaying her interpretation and understanding of her Heavenly Father. And that happens so many times where children map over their relationship with their parents over their relationship with God because their relationship with, with their parents is their primary interpretive grid. She became a legalist, believing that any moment God would ditch her as well, that he would leave, that he would have a dust-up with the Trinity, and Mabel wanted to make sure she was always hitting the marks and performing for God. Mabel lived on eggshells concerning her relationship with God. She did not want to displease him, so she made sure she kept all of the rules. As the gospel began to crystallize in her mind, she began to be transformed by the power of the cross. She learned how to apply the gospel to her life, and incrementally her life began to be characterized by faith rather than fear, and that is the antithesis. That is the oil and the water. Faith, the opposite. Fear, they do not mix. One will displace the other, and as she grew in her understanding of the gospel, she began to grow in faith, and fear began to mitigate. The God she interpreted through the lens of her parents was now a distant memory. For the first time in her life, she was experiencing what it truly meant to be secure. It was the incredible message of the gospel that brought the love, the approval, acceptance, and security that she had longed for all of her life. Only God will truly satisfy you through the transformative work of the gospel. The things that we want to be loved, to be approved, to be accepted, to be secure— those things ultimately come through a relationship with Christ. If you place that burden on any individual, that person will fail you. Your parents will not give you the perfect love, approval, acceptance, and security that you want. Your spouse will not give you that. Your siblings will not give you that. Your closest friends will not give you that. Only God can give you that. But that doesn't mean that we should shirk our responsibility we should be imitators of the gospel as Paul called us in Ephesians 5.1 and Mabel's parents was not. If you find yourself in a place like this where you're looking for love in all the wrong places, then would you please reach out to us? Let us serve you. You can jump on those forums I was talking about earlier. We have free community forums. Get your username and password and ask your question, or you can ask any other question that you wish. The title of this podcast, Fussy Parents Make Insecure Kids. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.